Welcome to Be The Difference, stories of everyday people who are being the difference in the lives of others. Be The Difference is presented by Back-to-Back Ministries, who exist to be a voice for orphan and vulnerable children around the world. I'm Sammy Matthews, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. Oh, a year full of story, and we get to celebrate that today, Sammy. Yeah, we're going to try something new. We're going to do a little bit of a recap and look back at the episodes that we've had so far. One of the things that we really love to do in the conversations we have with guests is reflect on how the guest has changed, how they've grown, what they've learned about God themselves, others. And so we're going to do that for us and what we've learned throughout this podcast process. Yeah, I've learned something new every time that I've gone back and re-listened to an episode. And I do that pretty often because there were such powerful stories from the guests that were willing to share this space with us over the past few episodes. So as an audience, we want you to listen for a few things. We're gonna listen for questions around the following concepts. Questions around what challenged you. Questions around what's bringing you joy. Questions around what surprised you and and questions around something that you've heard that is hard. The other thing that we want you to listen for is an episode that you can't remember. All of our episodes are available anywhere that you can find podcasts. So we encourage you again to listen back and share a favorite episode that has spoken the most to you. So anytime we start something new or about to have a new experience, there are fears and expectations that we have. Even if we don't realize we have them, they're there under the surface. So this was a new thing for us hosting a podcast what were some of your your fears or expectations, Chris? I, if I were to be really vulnerable in my fear, it would be that my tendency to verbally process in real time would one-up one of our guest stories. That's what I was afraid of early on is that I wouldn't hold the story well. And um, I had a little bit of anxiety about that before we even recorded our first episode. Um, expectation, I don't think I had any. I think my expectation was, let's just have some fun with this and see what happens. How about you? I think I had a little bit of fear around, um, like, would anyone want to listen? I knew I wanted to hear these stories, but would anyone else? And I think anytime I try something new, I I always wonder, am I the right person for the job? So I think there was some fear in that too of, am I the right person? Are we the right people? I had a dream and a vision for what this could be, but I didn't know if I was the right person to step into it. An expectation, I really expected that we were going to meet some really awesome people. And Mm -hmm. that has definitely um, been true. I have been encouraged and inspired and challenged and made new friends throughout this journey so far. And that's been an expectation that I, I hoped would happen and has really been a great part of this. I was surprised by so many elements of this season and the relationships and the depth of conversation, vulnerability Mm -hmm. that guests were willing to go. If you were to encompass the entire season in just a couple of pictures, what are some of the pictures that you've walked away with? I think my picture every episode is the moment we get to say thank you. I love the opportunity to thank the guests on behalf of people that they don't get to hear from. But I also love watching the person across the table receive that thanks. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that our listeners could see the faces of our guests in that moment because it's it's beautiful, it's 
gratifying, it's validating, it's it's encouraging and edifying someone else is like such a gift to me as the giver, but also to get to watch someone receive that. Like we see tears, we see like a big sigh of relief, we see it wash over the guest and that at, at the end of the day, I want the person sitting across the table from me to feel encouraged and heard and thanked. And that is my picture of the season. Yeah, for sure. What this season has reminded me of is that I, good words are free. I can give them away anytime yeah. that I want to. And yet it seemed like there was just a an empty well that we got to pour into with those type of words. I'm like, why is this empty? We get to do this all the time. So that one I agree with as a picture. I also, my picture of the season were several different aha moments where a guest found themselves caught up in their own story and they were overwhelmed by emotion mm. in that story. Yeah, Those were just, just moments that I want to hold dear because I think it was a self-awareness that was happening of the longing for why I started doing this was rekindled and the reminder that... Um, how God has led this person and this movement along the way has been really influential. And it was an aha moment where, to your point, we spoke some encouraging words in at the end, but it was amazing to watch a guest speak encouraging words over themselves mm -hmm. by reminding themselves of their own story and yeah. having that aha moment. Yeah, it's a chance to remember what God has done. 100%. And I think so many of the people that we've spoken with and interviewed live life at a really fast pace and don't always get the opportunity to sit and look back and remember what God has done. And so the fact that we've gotten to create a space where they do has been really powerful. As an audience, we're going to remind you a little bit about the journey that we've been through by adding some other voices to this conversation. We're going to look back, and this is a great moment for us to give the biggest, biggest standing ovation. So if you're in your car, stand up if you can. <laughs> Just kidding. The biggest standing ovation for our producer, Mikey, because he has gone in and pulled some clips together for us so that we can not just reflect and reframe a story for you, but you can actually listen to our guests. Quick disclaimer, you don't have to have heard all of these episodes to keep engaging. We're going to pull some clips together and just show you some aha moments. We're going to start with this question, Sammy. Uh, what is something that you learned from one of our guests? So in our very first episode, we interviewed Beth and Todd Guggenberger, mm -hmm. and there was a moment where Beth was talking about when the shift happened for them from thinking that they were going to be in Mexico for just a short-term mission and then realizing that it was going to be long-term. And she said this phrase about moving from cause to relationship. We went motivated by the cause, and we quickly got captivated by relationship. And a cause you can walk away from in a year, but relationships you can't. And so we're naturally relational. We developed some very intense relationships with kids and students and staff. And it's like, I'm not walking away from them. What was interesting about that moment is when she said it, it was like a thing that I already knew, but I didn't have words for. Yeah. Because in my own life, I've seen that, that I can believe in a cause, but it was when I got connected with real people and real faces that everything changed. And I think we've seen that with a lot of our guests. Yeah, I remember that day when Beth said those that statement. I wrote down in my notes, um, build communities of belonging. Hmm. 
Hmm. You just wrote that down. And what's interesting is that's now become you know, the vantage point that I see the world through is often through this back-to-back Cincinnati site. And we as a site have canceled the word program out of our vernacular at the site. And we've started to view every time that we gather as a community so that we can find deeper reasons to stay because of the relationship, because causes usually get connected to programs. And I want I want us to be in relationship, and I think our neighborhoods deserve that. And so shifting that thought process to communities of belonging was a direct response to Beth sharing those words with us. Well, even in the episode with Jason Johnston, we talked about how access to food can be there, yeah. but it's through relationship that that connection really happens and that people really get folded into a community where then they have access to all the resources available, both relational and physical. Yeah, threaded through so many episodes. If you even go, we didn't do this on purpose, Be the Difference audience. We we actually had you know, something from Todd and Beth to then you have episode three with Claire where you have this international missions environment, but you have heard a trash dump um, looking at this as a place where relationships can build, not a cause to cure as well. And so I think you're right. It was threaded throughout so many episodes that the people who are continuing to be the difference are people who see people in relationship, not people as causes to fix. Yeah. What was something you learned, Chris? One of the things that I consistently learn is an opportunity to grow in spaces that I don't believe I belong in. And art is one of those places where I don't know that I can be in because I don't think that my stick figures belong (laughs) on murals. When our friend Brent Billingsley shared in episode two um, about his useful approach to art in spaces of trauma, uh, it was an aha moment for me. We're going to hear his words around that. And what art does, it it distracts and allows you to focus. Mm. So what I've seen in real time, I've seen art, and and it's not about fixing the issue, but it's about can you channel some of that energy somewhere else? Can you put some of that maladaptive and negative behavior into something more constructive and positive? Can you give somebody a project that will keep them busy? Can you give somebody something that they'll be proud of when they're finished? The belief that distraction is a tool and a resource for us to be able to center ourselves and then re-engage hmm. was really challenging to me or, and, and was a, a learning element that sometimes I have the tendency when I see a problem or when I feel like I'm the problem to double down on the pressure that I either put on myself or try to solve myself. So when Brent shared that art distracts and that it creates a place for us to be able to take negative energy, put it into something that can create something positive so that then we can recenter, that was a huge aha moment for me. Yeah, I think I can also fall into thinking, like, if this is an issue, I have to face it and look at it and solve it. And distracting can seem like um, a negative coping skill. But to have it reframed as something that can be really positive because the brain and the soul and the heart and the mind needs a different avenue and way to function and even way to rest was super interesting to me. Yeah, if you connect with Brent through his social media channels at this point, you'll see that his big phrase uh, since this episode is that everything is a canvas. 
And I thought that is amazing, like statement. And we we partnered with him on a couple of projects, and we even used um, wiffle ball bats that the Cincinnati Reds had donated to us for a summer project. And we had extras, and so he's like, everything is a canvas. And so he taught us how to paint wiffle ball bats in creative ways that represented each student that was in our program's personality because everything is a canvas and art distracts. And it was such a healing time around that. It was really, really um, encouraging. One of the things as well that challenged me was when Daniel Asama shared at the end of his episode, which... For those of you who don't know, Daniel and Sammy and I have a deeper relationship because we're on staff together. But when he challenged at the end of his episode that he's unsure about what makes a bad story or a good story, Mm -hmm. he just put the definite article of what the story is really challenging to me. So listen to this clip about the story. The story for me is that they go, this 160 children goes to school and they know how to read and they can speak English. That is the story. The story for me is those 156 children are in the path of Christ. I don't know if you remember, Chris, but at the end of that moment, he said, he said, Sammy, what else? What story? And I didn't have words as a response. I was left just kind of jaw open, challenged by, you're, you're right. Like, I am so quick to put a good story or a bad story label on things. And that's actually not my job. Yeah. And what really uh, challenged me in Daniel's response was that if you listen to the entirety of the episode, his passion changed when he started telling that piece, mm-hmm. right? He was challenged by the statements that he was making in that episode. I think it was episode 17 that he mentioned that. And at the end, he just changes. And I'm not sure if we were silent because we weren't sure how to respond or if we were silent because we were applying to come on staff with Back to Back Nigeria at the time. (laughs) That I'm like, I'm just, I'm in. I will just follow you. Let's go. Because if that is the story, then I want that to be part of my story. I also know that uh, when I was answering this question, I my tendency was to have written down a, a statement from Michonne's episode, but I had noticed that you were already all in on that one. So what about Michonne's episode challenged you? Yeah, in episode seven, we talked to Michonne. Actually, you did this interview, Chris. And toward the end of that interview, you asked her about her feelings toward the men who participate in attending gentlemen's clubs or contribute to the adult entertainment industry. And her answer really challenged me. This is what she said. It'll be my forever journey of leveling the playing field in in my mind of Jesus died for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can look at a, a dancer, a girl, and be like, oh, you sweet beautiful woman who was made in the image of God. Jesus died for you and you are so loved and you are so valuable. And I can't wait to share that with you. And then I'll see a man in the club and be like, not you. He <laughs> didn't for you. And that's that's me. That's my own flesh. Uh, yeah. And to know that Jesus said, nope, both of you. So this challenged me in two ways. One, the very beginning of her phrase said, it will be my forever journey. Mm-hmm. And I have a tendency to be someone who wants to look at myself and self-improve and figure out my issues quickly and get over them and learn. 
And so the the freedom in that phrase, it'll be my forever journey, that like it, it's okay to have things that are our forever yeah. journeys to work out with God. And he's not frustrated by that. He's not bothered by the fact that for me personally, it'll be my forever journey to learn that my value is in who I am and not what I do. And so the freedom to just say, it'll be my forever journey. I literally repeated it to multiple friends in the weeks afterwards saying, there are things that can just be our forever journey and it's okay. So just even that alone was challenging to me. But then, I I mean, I agree with her that there are people that I look at who have hurt people I love, Mm -hmm. who have done things that in my mind are categorically just wrong. And I'm so tempted to say that God's grace isn't for you too. And just that challenge and reminder that, like she said, God said, it's for both of you. Yeah, in the Cox family household, we have a statement that says everyone belongs. And as soon as Michonne gave that answer, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Even that, even even Mm -hmm. these guys? All right, how do I reframe my thought process to see um, some people through a different vantage point? And when she was speaking, my mind went to... What has to have been broken or what have, were you introduced to at a certain season in your life as a young man that the disconnection from reality to be in this space would be maybe the only hope that you could find? And, and how would you redirect hope? And how would you find new spaces and, and create community and what would happen if everyone who ever walked into a club felt like they belonged in other communities? Would people still be walking into clubs? I, my, it just sparked my mind to start thinking about hope and answers as opposed to judgment and criticism. And I was really grateful, again, like you were, for the, this will be my forever journey because I don't have to solve it today. I just get to think about it. So I love that some of the things that challenged us also started to bring out some joy in us that there is hope and there is some some possibilities that we really can be what we invited each guest on to claim, that we really can be the difference. So what were some stories that brought joy for you? Uh, when I was thinking about what just made me smile, it was absolutely in episode 14, Jen Powers shared mm-hmm. about her grandpa yeah. and the way that he as she was a young girl, was already championing in her this personality and belief that she could do something. My grandfather worked on the golf course, um, and we used to set up lemonade stands, like where our neighborhood hit the golf course and there was a crossover through our neighborhood to get to your next hole. And he would go around and turn off all the water fountains. So by the time the golfers got to us, they were like parched <laughs> with thirst. I think that was the first moment where what was communicated to me, the idea of I see you, mm. you have something to offer this world. Even as a little seven-year-old girl, mm. I believe in you and I'm going to create space for you to step into that. It still makes me smile. Yeah, right. I thought that too. As, as we were listening to that, there were three of us in the room and all three of us started grinning as we imagined a grandpa walking the golf course and just sneaking up on each water fountain and just physically turning that off and then just going about his business. It's such a reminder to me the way that people can sow into our lives in ways they have no idea what the outcome is going to be. Like 
her grandpa had no idea what he was Mm -mm. doing in that moment. All he was doing was loving his granddaughter. It made me think of something that I know brought you joy, which was in episode 15, Brian Berman shared with us the story of his mom. What brought you joy about that story? Yeah, I think it tied even to some other episodes around legacies that are being built. Um, when Jeff and Christy Zerker shared a little story about, I mean, just spending a year in, in Selma and it not being the year that they had believed that they were going to spend and going on mission because they were trying to get to the DR yet they end up in Selma, Alabama because of the shelter in place and shutdown and everything was happening at the same time, that I keep thinking about the legacy of of people that are happening now and then the legacy of the people that have impacted us in the past. I think it's interesting that both of those stories tie to the, to the Dominican Republic because mm-hmm. that's where Brian Berman's ministry happened that came out of this story. But I was really just found joy in listening to Brian's voice as he as he drops a little bit of a climax of his story and recognizing that who he's sharing about is his mom. So listen to this clip from Brian. She says, you know, Ingrid doesn't doesn't know this, but I used to get detention in her class because I didn't have a mom like her at home and I just wanted to spend time with her because she invested in me. And there it was, guys, March 18th, 2003, when I realized you can invest in things or you can invest in people. And it changed my trajectory forever. Now, let me finish the story just real quickly. March 18th, 2003 was Ingrid's 25th anniversary to my father, Carrie, and my mother, Ingrid Berman, that was the day that she also went to be with the Lord, and we were at her funeral that day. So I found joy in the fact that Brian is able to talk about the transformation in his own life in response to the loss of one of the most influential people in his life, but it didn't feel like loss. There was a joy there of celebration and seeing how his mom had been investing in people in the community all the way to a little girl that used to get detention and how that left a legacy for Brian to begin investing in communities, people from other families, and even in his own family. And I just encourage you to listen to the way he tells that because he doesn't drop it till the end that it's his mom. And all of us are like, are you kidding me? When when did you figure it out that it was his mom? So that just just that whole conversation brought me joy. Well, that makes me think about this reality that we've seen throughout every episode is that joy and sorrow can sit side by side mm, um, because nobody that we've talked to would be trying to be the difference if something wasn't broken. And I think that there have been some things that we've had to hear about that are broken that were hard to hear. Mm. Is there something that as you were listening to it, it was hard for you to hold the reality of that brokenness? Yeah, we're pretty straightforward on this episode in um, episode four that Fred Aduyoye is a close friend of mine. And I continue to find a heaviness of heart when I hear about the pain and continued burden that communities who do not have access to full equity and unity experience. Chuck Mingo alluded to it a lot 
in his episode. Adrian spoke Adrian about it spoke in her so much in her episode about the the pain of both trying to keep a healing center going and be a person of color trying to lead through a lot of the civil unrest that we were experiencing as we were processing the pandemic. I think that Fred captures a lot of the framework of of the perspective that as a man of majority culture, I don't often get. And his words continue to burden me. You know, if you're a person of color, and sometimes even if you're just a woman, right? You know, because sometimes those are synonymous. Um, because it's not the white male mainstream, you have to, um, there's a certain level of vocabulary, a presence, a posture, right, that gets you into the room, right, where others wouldn't be in the room. Yeah, that continual uh, pain, I think is the word that I even used earlier, that I've not only heard from Fred's voice, but I've walked into those rooms with him and actually seen the difference. I've seen the difference where I've been received and where he's been received. I've heard countless stories of women in leadership and how what has been defined as leader under an umbrella of what a white man uh, may share gets described with some not so kind words when a woman brings it to the table. So that one continues to burden me and stretch me. There was another episode where I, I think we were both wiping away some emotion in our response to some of the hard story that we were hearing from, um, from Ryan and April in episode six. And you noted this one as, as a hard story that stuck with you. What about this story is, uh, is resonating still? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that it's one of the things that was hard to hear about it is also true for Fred. And what I mean by that is I feel like Fred in the clip that we just heard from him was just kind of very matter of fact yeah. about this is just the way that it is. That's a good pickup. And I think that April, when she was speaking in the clip that we're about to hear, was kind of just it, – it wasn't something that she was intentionally telling us about. It was almost an aside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it was so hard for me to hear that it was kind of – just kind of an aside mentioned um, – in passing and that that would be con- something that then is kind of just just normal. I think that's what made it hard. Mm-hmm. So we can listen to the clip from April and then um, give a little more context around around it. You know, going back to the whole mama bear thing, but it's just it's just a natural thing in me that I'm I'm thinking all these women who are still enslaved and then most of them have dependents. And so the children who are born in the brothels, they sleep under the beds that their moms are abused. Yeah, it's hard for me to listen to even now thinking mm-hmm. about small children mm-hmm. under the bed of their mother mm-hmm. while she is being abused. That was a really hard thing for me to picture. Yeah, and as you're hearing these words, whether it was just the statement from April or the one before from Fred, and you're even in your mind thinking, how can you talk about these things so matter-of-factly, this is really what we mean when we say systems. Hmm. When you can start framing this within the system of how it is, you start to hear voices like April or Fred or others who are going to say things very matter-of-factly because they're not surprised anymore. 
They're just going in and going, this is the current system. If we want to change the system, that's where surprise will happen. Surprise will happen on the other side when this is no longer an acceptable thing that's happening with any culture or society. And so I resonate with you in that imagery. I also resonate in the, the hope or the surprise that, that can come next mm -hmm. after something like this, that we, we can listen to the heart and we can be surprised. And we were surprised throughout this season of being able to listen to some stories. What's something that surprised you? Yeah, I think sometimes when I'm writing the questions, I can kind of maybe anticipate what the mm. answers are going to be. And then sometimes I have no idea yeah. and something comes out of left field and I think, oh, wow, we got to keep asking questions about that. Yeah. Or someone says an answer and I don't really have a follow up because I'm just thinking, I don't really know what to say to that. And one of those moments was when um, Kevin and Jenny Sasson in episode 16 were talking about their experience of being held at gunpoint. They're, they were um, on a bus and it was... They were taken hostage, essentially. It's a, a long story. I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to it. It sounds like something out of a movie. But what actually most surprised me was toward the end of the story, I asked them kind of why they would stay mm -hmm. in an environment that was such a high risk to them, especially having experienced that. And their answer really surprised me. I remember we were on our knees and we were holding hands and we were crying and weeping. It was the first time Kev said something the whole journey back home. And he said, listen, if we ever get to leave this country, it's going to be not because of fear of what happened to us, but because that's something that God wants us to do. Yeah, it was that that resolute feeling of we're not going to leave because of fear of something that happened to us. Like we are directed by God and we will go where he tells us to no matter mm. the danger that may come to us. I was just surprised that even after such a violent experience, they would still have that resolve to stay. Yeah. For reference, this was episode 16. And Sammy, you did that interview and I wasn't even uh, in the room, which behind the scenes look, we try to even sit in on each other's interviews to be able to like get a feel and engage in the conversation, even if you just hear one of us do that interview. But I wasn't there and I remember the response once the episode was up for me to listen to for the outro was, have you gotten to the part where they were held hostage? And I'm like, <laughs> even just that surprise, I'm like, the, the what? I will get to it right now because I need to know this story. But I'm also with you in that the surprise response of what happens in a moment when we have set out in our lives to be the difference and something as traumatic as a hostage situation gives us a sliver of opportunity to bail mm -hmm. and how we respond. That was the surprise for me with Jenny and Kevin is to listen to their response in that moment as to that assurance of like, there's no power here. And mm -hmm. I thought that was really, really surprising and powerful. Yeah. Was there an episode where you were surprised by something, Chris? I was surprised by my response in the episode with Joey Taylor in um, our conversation with him. When he lists out the process of holding one another's story I was surprised by my response of how much I long for that to be part of 
our everyday experiences. This is how Joey frames story. Trying to instill inherent worth and um, unconditional belonging because that's what I need. Yeah. You know, that's what I need. And so when I'm able to witness to that or set space for that, for other people to do that for themselves, it's the, it's the most intoxic, intoxicating thing. It's the most, it's the thing that helps me believe that we're here for a reason. It's the thing that helps me have hope in the world. Um, it feels like that's the foundation for me for everything. Yeah, what really stood out to me in that is that we often live our lives in the opposite, believing that if someone would just listen to our story, we would be satisfied and filled. Hmm. And that Joey's statement that the most intoxicating thing in life is to set the stage for someone to feel safe to share their story, that surprised me and just drew me into long to create like those spaces, set the table, enter into the coffee shop, like whatever I need to do in order to be intoxicated by that, I'm in. And I think what we've been creating here actually affirms the statement that Joey was making. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I mean, what we've been able to do here and sit around a table and hear stories of others is exactly what Joey's talking about. It's yeah. given hope. It's, it's taught me so much. And there have been all these moments that I never could have anticipated. We are at this point 20 some episodes in and I have learned so much and you I keep learning again. How things. many episodes are we in, Sammy? <laughs> I think this is episode 22. Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> we are. In the beginning, it was a big goal in my mind just to make it to 20. We and made here it. Here we are. And like I said, some of our favorite questions to ask are, what have we learned about God? What have we learned about ourselves? What have we learned about others? So Chris, what's something you've learned about yourself? I have learned that I am better when I am listening and holding other stories. Hmm. That's just innately true that each time I walk away from this microphone, I am a better human because of the vantage point, the differences, the uniqueness, and the opportunity to listen to someone else well. And I've learned that I don't only want a microphone in front of me in order to be able to do that. I want that to be true in other places. I've learned from so many of our guests, I love coffee. <laughs> and so just walking away from a conversation with David Gaines and hearing his perspective um, on all of the elements around the introduction, again, it comes back to a word of story, the introduction of a coffee bean as part of a story of someone who is choosing the right bean all the way to the type of roastery that would be in the United States to distribute this coffee to the communal spaces. I think back on that entire episode and think I brew coffee in a different way because of the way David framed it for me. So I've learned so much about myself as, a, as just a listener. I think one of the things I've learned about myself is I love stories of people who are spending themselves on behalf of others. Mm. The very first time I really like heard and witnessed that kind of story was my first mission trip, which then launched me into a whole career I never saw coming. And when I think about someone like Megan Henderson, who is fostering 
kids in her 20s as a single parent. Yeah. Or I think about Terry Thompson, who is starting a foster care support and movement in mm-hmm. Australia. Or I think about Karen Springs, who moved to the Ukraine and opened up her apartment to families who are adopting kids internationally. All of those stories circle around this theme of foster care and adoption. And that has been something that has always like lit up my heart. And since I first heard stories of that on my first mission trip, and I love those kind of stories. What do you think you've learned about God, Chris? So I have a, I have an undergrad in biblical studies, a master's in theology. And I say all of that to say, I can, I can, can I reframe the question of what have I learned with God? Yeah. Because there's so many, I had to take all the exams and write all the papers, right, about God and his character and his qualities and his omniscience, omnipotence, and right, omnipresence and all of those things. What I've learned with God is that I could list out the names of every person who's been willing to share this time with us and see how unique and intentional and how overwhelmingly present he has been in each story, in each season that reflects so many different things that we would call good, bad, and different in all of their stories. And he has been consistently him in all of those different scenarios. Yeah. When I was thinking about what have I learned about God, it is a reaffirmation that he writes the very best stories. Yeah, that's good. Stories that are not ones that I would write because in my limited view, I am tempted again to fall into saying, this is a good story or this is a bad story. This person is going to be a good candidate to be the difference and this person Mm -hmm. is not. And I am so quick to categorize, decide, judge, And he just writes stories that are so far outside the lines of what I could come up with. It makes me think of Anna in her episode, which was Mm. episode five. And she's a dear friend of mine. And I still learned so much from her. And she talked about if anyone is disqualified from being the difference. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to end on what she said. That does not disqualify you in any way for any type of work or calling that you want to get into. Um, We all need to go on our healing journey, but it does not disqualify us based on whatever we have experienced previously. And I think that for me is kind of the thesis statement of this show, that Mm. anyone can be the difference. It doesn't take a superhuman. It doesn't take a person who's never experienced pain or hardship or trauma. It doesn't take a person who is super spiritual and has all the right college degrees, that God wants to write anyone into a story of spending themselves on behalf of others. Yeah, as you played the clip, I wanted to see if there's a way, and I don't, I know there's not, to just capture it to where every person who listens to this podcast, there's a little button you could push on your mirror every morning that the first time that you look at yourself, you listen to honest words back No one is disqualified, no matter what's going on in your story. We can't put it in a little button on your mirror. What we can do is put something in the show notes where you can link um, 
to a page that you could nominate someone that you see as being the difference because that's the best way for us to end this episode. Our takeaway is that this story and this space is for everyone and every story. And we want to continue just to be able to listen to guests, say thank you. And if there is someone in your life that you think is being the difference and we should have some time with them, please fill out one of those forms because we want to expand our connection to more guests with more stories. We're real selfish about it because it's changing our lives and we hope it's impacting you too. And we're going to keep rolling into 2022. Again, thank you to our amazing producer, Mikey. He did a ton of work on this episode. Thank you to Co-Hatch Mason. Thank you to all of you. And we'll see you in 2022. Happy New Year! (laughs) 